I wanted to go back to what's keeping us from pleasure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned briefly, but like a medication, kind of the things that yeah. a little more granular, but that we might not be realizing I, are keeping us from pleasure. I think, yeah, I, I love this conversation because I just feel like people don't realize it. it's like hidden in plain sight. And so, because we just think, oh God, something's wrong with me. Like, I want to help people like decode it. Like, for example, you might not be in the mood for sex or having orgasms because you're on a medication. So many people are on antidepressants, your birth control pill, blood pressure medication. So those are just some things that are like, that could absolutely impact your libido. Mm-hmm. And that's something you talk to your doctor about. I'm not saying go off your medication, but there's so many ways to work with it. And historically, our doctors didn't tell us these things and didn't prioritize anyone's sexual health, let's say women's sexual health, but anyone's sexual health. It could be nutrition, the foods that we're eating. It could be exercise. People are just always very surprised that there's a link between all of these things, which might seem obvious to some, but if you haven't been moving your body, you're eating a lot of foods, it's all about because blood flow, orgasms and arousal is about blood flow. So your blood will not be flowing to your genitals if you have not been moving your body or you've been smoking or drinking or doing a lot of things in excess. Absolutely going to affect your ability to be aroused. If you have resentments that have built up in your relationship and you just have not addressed it with your partner yet, I mean, another reason why you're not going to be in the mood for sex. Mm-hmm. If you have unhealed trauma that every time you start to have sex with someone, you freeze, you shut down in your body, you're having flashbacks, whatever, even if it wasn't a sexual trauma, but just just all the different kinds of traumas that we have that you probably are displaying in other relationships, but particularly in your personal relationships. Yeah. Unresolved traumas or even just, yeah, resentments with your partner are huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. I think the huge. food thing is interesting. It's also like taking care of your body, like my sex and my ability to have sex is directly correlated to how good I feel about myself and my yeah. body. Mm-hmm. And that is the movement. That is the nutrition. That is treating my body well so that I can be like, okay, yeah, I'm feeling good. Like, yeah. I treat you well. I love you. Like, someone else can treat me well and love me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also exactly. advocating for just around eating. It's like, we never, I never want to do it after like a yeah. nice big meal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sushi, but, the but best. I have to, Was that yes. you that said that? No, but <laughs> I said sushi's the best it first is. date because it's light. Like yes. just kind of a few pieces. But I had to kind of start to think about, okay, so you don't like to have sex after a meal. So after we come home from dinner and it's like mm-hmm. late night and whatever. So what do I have to advocate for or ask for in order to be able to optimize like when we're having sex and obviously enjoying it? And it was whether it's like first thing in the morning or it's like mm-hmm. during the day, yeah. like on the I weekend. Love during the day. I love daytime mm-hmm. because I have the energy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Night, I'm very tired. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime past six is done. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that you're asking this because I. Yes. when is the right time for sex? This is what I've been thinking. Like, we have to reverse engineer this because so many of us are setting ourselves up for failure because we're thinking it's going to spontaneously happen at 11 yes. o'clock at night. Yes. 100%. No, we're in a mood, right? Unless you're like in your, I don't even know when you're in it. Maybe early in a relationship. I was going to yes. say in your early 20s or in yes. high college or whatever. Yes. But the truth is, after a while in any relationship, you're like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I just want to go to bed. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. So finding the ideal time that is right for sex. So I, you got to reverse engineer it. So it's okay. If you know it's never going to be after nine, it's never going to be after dinner. Have sex before dinner. Yeah. Make the time to have sex before one. you go out, before you walk the dogs, before you put the kids to bed, not after, because you know you're going to be tired. And this is for couples, like, strategize it. But like, in real time, like, I've done this as well in my relationship. I'm doing all these things. I'm like, he's like, okay, so I've come to find out that, like, we get in bed, you're not going to want to do it at 1130. I'm like, never. Majority <laughs> of times, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's during the days. It's on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And there's no one saying that it has to be at night. Just because in movies and television, mm-hmm. we see it happening late at night. 
after a big yes. meal, not going to happen. So I really want to think about it. And then think about reverse engineering and knowing that I definitely want to be sexual and have sex with my partner. What can I do to make it now? I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, maybe it hasn't been, it's been a week or it's been five days. Well, that's not okay. Like, I know that we need that connection. It's not okay for either one of us. So what will it look like over the next week? Like literally planning ahead, yes. scheduling the sex, thinking what is going to be the ideal time. And for a lot of people, and there have been studies that have shown that women are more likely to want sex mid-afternoon, which isn't wow. ideal for many people. But if you know that, then maybe it's a Saturday. Maybe mm-hmm. it's you get a babysitter or you make sure that you have time. And like that counts. That's okay to find out what works best for you and your partner and then to talk about it with them. So they understand because what happens when we don't talk about this stuff, going back to the top of this conversation, is that most of us don't talk about it. So we walk around feeling so much, we feel resentful. Mm. We feel shame. We feel like our partner doesn't want us. Because let's say you're the partner who every night, they want they try to have sex with you every night at 11. And you just keep saying no. You say no. And you don't put any words around it. You just say no. Your partner thinks they're not lovable. They've done something wrong. You're mad at them. Or maybe they just resent you because like, how do you not care about our sex life? Are you not turned on? Something wrong with you? So putting words around it. And here's another tip. Instead of just turning your partner down and saying no again, think about why not. And think about when you might want to in the future. You know, babe, this week is going to be really tough. Right now, I'm just feeling exhausted. We had that big meal. Chicken Parmesan does not do well with sex <laughs> for me. But I'm thinking that Saturday night, we know we're going out for sushi or we know that we have a late reservation. Let's try to like shower, get or not shower, or shower before, whatever it is. Let's try to like have some time between five and eight where we can just hang out around the house, maybe build a fire, have sex, and then go to dinner. Wouldn't that be so fun Saturday night? And like get them going like, okay. Yeah. So they're not going to try again on Thursday. They're not going to try again on Friday. You're not going to feel bad and resentful, but you've made it clear that it's intentional, that it's a priority for you and when it's going to happen. Yes. So setting expectations. I love that too. It's like painting a picture. Yeah. Yes. And it's so important. I think some people might be listening to this and thinking like, oh, it's taking the sexy out of it. It's taking the spontaneity out of it. But really, like I've found it helps so much <laughs> okay. because it's taking the guesswork and kind of the unsaid out of or the assumptions out of your partner's mind. The partner might be being like, man, like maybe I just don't do it for her anymore or vice versa. And to have that clarity. Mm-hmm. And even if it might seem a little like planned and scheduled, once you're in it, you're like, fuck yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like this is I great. Know. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Right. And you can schedule it. You don't need to schedule what position you're doing or like what you're <laughs> yeah. saying or like what you're wearing. It's like we're just giving this window of time. Yes. And then we can be f- freaking whatever, doing whatever mm-hmm. we want. Exactly. Because sex is an event. It's an activity that takes time and takes preparation. Yeah. So I want to normalize that. But also... I want to address that. This whole, like, it's not sexy. If people really, I want people to take a minute who's thinking that, because everyone thinks that. Many people, when I say schedule sex, oh, great. Like, I want to look at the calendar and see, pick up the dry cleaning, get my car filled with gas, and have sex. I'm like, yes. Yeah. It's not on my calendar. It's not happening. Exactly. But for some people, like, it's not hot. But really, how hot is it? How hot is it after the first six months to two years where the honeymoon phase takes a nosedive, which it does? That is biology. It is not going to be at a sustained level where you're ripping each other's clothes up every day. So knowing that, is it really that hot, like waiting to see that your partner just surprised you in the kitchen? Like how often is that really happening? And when you think about the way I'm talking about it, you've had to clear out some of these blocks, but once it's totally normal, like it just feels better. You're just like, okay, I'm being honest. I'm letting you know that I care for you. And that is sexy. And then the thing I want to talk about is the anticipation. 
then you get to think about the sex. Then you get to shave or put on your laundry yes. or make the bed or do all, not eat Send a huge some sexy big text meal. leading yes. up to it. All of it. Yeah. The sexy text, right? The seduction. I'm like clean the house. Clean the house. Right. <laughs> Light a candle. All the things you get Shave to prepare my legs, so you're ready. hundred percent. Right. Exactly. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Especially for women. I think men less. But I agree with you. Like having that clarity also helps break that psychic energy that I think you have a lot in relationships where the man is like, Okay, when is it? When are we gonna do it? You know, when I've been in heterosexual relationships, it's like, when are we gonna do it? Yeah. And so it it helps them, what I've experienced, feel more confident that you're not going to reject them or you're not going to say yes. no or anything like that because we both have this mutual understanding mm-hmm. for when we're going to be intimate together. And yeah, you can really have the buildup, which is so nice. Mm-hmm. It really is. That can't be underestimated or underrated how much that, that anticipation builds to our arousal. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morning Microdose by Almost 30. We hope you enjoyed waking up. As always, we encourage you to take what resonates and leave the rest. If you enjoyed this trip, tune into the full episode on the Almost 30 podcast. All episode information can be found in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe. And if this becomes a part of your morning routine, be sure to share it with a friend. We have new inspiring doses Monday through Friday. Follow us on Instagram at Morning Microdose and follow Almost 30 at Almost 30 Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the vortex.